You are listening to the Filming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Holmes, founder and lead educator at the Filming Life Academy, the largest school and community of family filmmakers in the world. And I've been creating family films long enough to know that video is becoming more and more popular as a way to tell stories and document our memories, not just for weddings and businesses, but for families as well. Gone are the days of mediocre home videos. These days, clients are hiring us to create artistic, story-driven films for them. Combine moving images with audio and the capacity for meaningful storytelling is endless. It can be tricky learning how to shoot and edit video all on your own, and that's where we come in. When you become a member of Filming Life, not only do you get access to all of the courses in the Filming Life Academy, but you also get access to the Filming Life Network, our exclusive online community of family filmmakers, where you'll find like-minded creatives from all over the world. If you're not a member yet, but you want to be, you can join us over at FilmingLifeAcademy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, it's Courtney here. I'm so glad that you've tuned in to another episode of the Filming Life Podcast. Just to give you a little bit of an update, I have been so busy behind the scenes working on updating the courses that are inside the Filming Life Academy, adding heaps of new content, completely revamping everything that I have done and put out there over the last, I don't know, four or five years. And I have just recently released a brand new course called The Art of Filming Families. And it is, uh, it's such a demonstration of my heart and my soul. And I've really put so much into it. We've recorded new behind the scenes and I've, I've recorded myself editing the film from start to finish. And that's something I've never done before. Some of the things that I'm covering are things like whether this is even the right business model for you, who's your client, what kinds of family films do you actually want to be making, how much should you be charging, pricing model, pros and cons, how to find clients. We have a whole new class on building a portfolio of films and our strategy for how to do that in a way that really makes your vision kind of come to life and helps you then sell that to families and book, you know, higher paying clients from the get-go. In the course, I talk about client prep and workflow. So one of the things that I talk about is your artistic vision and versus what you think people want. And that's actually a big topic for this podcast episode. So you're going to get a little bit of a peek inside what I am teaching inside the course. I'm covering video and photos, deciding on a priority, creating a collaborative vibe with your clients. I've got several different case studies on different things. So I'm teaching and giving examples. I'm going to cover my client workflow and the automation tools that I use and love preparing your clients for a film session. We're going to be talking about storyboards and shot lists, using client questionnaires, observation for story development, moments versus actions and how to film the stuff that matters, choosing the right song, how music can influence the story and emotional impact of a film because that is huge. I'm giving you assignments as well throughout this course to just get you thinking and planning for the kinds of family films that you want to be making. And then there's an entire two large segments full of videos that show you 
every step of the way while I'm filming the Gonder family. And then you get to see me call and edit the photos from that session. This includes all of the um, editing that I do on the photos and then the pre-prep and culling and organization side of the filmmaking and creating the film, choosing the music, how I create a beginning, how I do song mapping, how I plan ahead, how I edit the scenes, how I do color correction and grading, um, and then the final touches and exporting and... There are a few more tweaks, so I added that in at the end. <laughs> but there is so much that I cover in this course that you probably haven't heard me talk about before. So if you are interested in learning the art of family films, making family films, please join us. Go to filminglifeacademy.com and you can sign up right away and start learning whenever you are ready. For this episode, I want to talk a little bit about your artistic vision and how to do some self-reflection and self-critique as an artist. And so first thing that you need to do is have some sort of an artistic vision. And you might be thinking, well, I don't have one yet. So how do I get to that point even? hands down the biggest mistake that I see photographers and new family filmmakers doing is creating work purely to please their clients or to create work that just looks the same as their competitors because that's what sells. And look, I get it. It's safe. And it works sometimes depending on how good you are at copying the look that sells. But here are some of the reasons why I really encourage you to create the work you love first for your portfolio. And this is where your artistic vision comes into place. You are the only one who sees the world the way that you do. I'm going to repeat that. You are the only one who sees the world the way you do. You are unique and you are creative. Every single person has the ability to be creative. It's inside you. All you have to do is be curious and you'll start to find that creativity. Your artistic vision is what forms the foundation of your artistic voice. This is when people see your work and immediately know that it's yours. This is what sets you apart from other photographers and filmmakers in your area. And this is what ultimately allows you to charge whatever price you want because no one else does what you do. There are plenty of people around Sydney that are making family films, just like me. And yet it has not impacted the amount of work that I get. So know that it's not about the fact that you're doing the same medium as someone else. It's the way you see the world. It's the way you create those films. It's the impact that people feel and the emotional connection that they feel when they watch your films that makes them want to hire you over the person next door. Now, the only way to find your artistic voice is to practice honing your artistic vision. And in order to hone your artistic vision, you have to give yourself the freedom to create without the constraints of feeling like you need to give people what they want. This is where portfolio building comes in, and we have an entire course dedicated to it because it's a pretty long process, but worth it. Think of portfolio building as investing in your business. It's almost like I would consider it similar to going to college or uni to 
you know, get to that experience level that you need to be at in order to get a paying job, it's the same thing. You can't just come into filmmaking and think, oh, people are going to hire me right away because I've put it out there that I'm doing them now. That's not how it works. So you need to have a portfolio and create a, a portfolio. And so much of your artistic voice has a lot to do with that portfolio building process. Now, as much as I understand that you need to make money for the work you do, it's so important that you either only work with paying clients who you know are going to be happy with whatever you do, or you don't charge for your portfolio building sessions and you use them as a way to form your own unique artistic vision of the work you want to create and then sell. If you've done the work first to create a portfolio of films and photos that fills your artistic vision and voice, then the flow on effect is that your clients are going to be happy with whatever it is that you create for them because they know what to expect. They can see your artistic vision in the portfolio that you've shown them and you get to create work that you love to create. It's a win-win all around. But if you haven't done that work first and instead you start putting out marketing that you're making films now and people can book them before you spend the time really developing your skills, then it is so easy for this to spiral into a case of the client dictating what they want you to do for them, whether it's what you want to do or not, since they're the ones paying for a service that you're fairly new at. Trust me, I've been there. This has happened to me, <laughs> particularly with commercial clients, but it can also happen with family film clients. There's no portfolio to show what your vision is. There's less experience on your end when a client says, can we do this? And you say, yes, because you want to please them. But the reality is you don't actually know yet that it'll end up being a disaster. Here's an example. Let's say you live in Florida. You've got a successful family photography business shooting incredibly beautiful lifestyle sessions at the beach. You've done one film for your own family and a film for a friend of yours in their home where you were super happy with the result, got some great audio of the kids and everyone you shared with loved it. So you start advertising that you're doing video now and you're offering film sessions. Yay! One of your photography clients sees the ad you made and they want to book a film, but they want to do it at the beach. And you're like, yes, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. I do all my family sessions at the beach. Perfect. That's what I wanted to do. In the questionnaire you send out, you ask the client, what do they want to remember the most about their kids? And they talk about how much they want to remember their laughter and how they want to capture their daughter's voice and the way she sings and the things that she says. And you think, sweet, this is going to be amazing. I get my families to, get to connect with each other at the beach all the time. I'll just ask the girl to sing to her mom and maybe I'll get them to talk to each other while I film. What's the problem here? What are you missing? What's going to trip you up? This client is paying full price, so you're going to need to deliver on this, but there's something really important that you're missing that a simple conversation could fix for your client. What could that be? It's the audio. Audio at the beach is practically impossible. If you are shooting at a very, very quiet beach, there's no wind and no waves, that's different. But if you're shooting at a typical beach where there's waves and wind, then you're going to have to think outside the box a bit with regards to audio. But until you actually practice doing a film there, you're not going to know this. And you don't want this experience to happen with a paying client because what you want is for people to fall in love with your work, share it with their friends, and you get good word of mouth. But if it's if you're not delivering on what you promise – 
then you're not going to get that word of mouth from the get-go. And in fact, it could end up impacting you negatively. Now, if a client came to me with this idea because I've got the experience and I've done sessions at the beach before, this is how I would respond. I love this idea and I love that you want to include so much of your daughter's voice in the film. The background noise of the waves and the wind of the beach, though, will make it really hard to get good audio of her voice. What if you recorded that part at home and then I use that in the film as a voiceover? Or what about if I come and record it for you at home separately? Alternatively, we could also do part of your session at home and then part of the beach. That way we get a bit of audio and then we get the beach scene as well. Here are some examples of what both those options look like. You let me know which one you like best and we can go from there. Without having examples to show and without spending the time to really practice and create films that are exactly what you want to create, it can lead to a lot of self-doubt questioning whether this is something you can do. And with the amount of work that films are, you really don't want to spend all the extra hours working on something that doesn't light you up. That's a quick recipe for burnout. So I really, really encourage you, please spend time on building your portfolio. If you're looking for a number, I would say a minimum of five completed high quality films for families should be on your website before you start booking paying clients for films. 10 is an even better number. You might have to make 10 before you get five really good ones anyway. Work towards that and you'll find that marketing and booking clients at the price you want them to pay will be a whole lot easier. Now, when it comes to creating films and then getting better at them, I have an exercise that I want to take you through to help you become more self-aware and help guide you through the process of self-reflection and critique on the films that you've created. And what this is about is not about, you know, picking out all the things that you did wrong, but it's more about just recognizing and, and, and being self-aware, essentially. It's just about recognizing the things that you're doing well, the things that worked and the things that didn't, and how you can improve them for next time. So grab a pen and paper or your laptop or whatever you decide you want to write on. And I want you to go through and with each question that I ask, you can either write the question down and then come back and answer them later, or you can just hit pause and answer the question and then hit play and we can go through the whole thing that way. Up to you. But I really want you to take the time to write this down. So I want you to think about a film that you've made recently. It should be something that's recent, not something from a long time ago. If you're brand new at making films, then you've probably only made one or two. And so think about one that you've made recently. And I want you to think, we're going to do this exercise in two parts. So I want you to think about it in terms of this session and how you shot it. And then I want you to think about it in terms of the edit and how you edited it. So the first question is, what step, and just before we start this, I want you to think about a film that you've made for a client. And so most of these questions are directed at that. So a film that you've made for a client. You can use this process for a photography session as well. It doesn't just have to be films, but there are two different parts of this. So it does make the most sense if you use this for a client film that you've made. Another um, thing that you could be doing is if you're just focusing on doing personal films, you can use this 
and just maybe tweak it a little bit for your personal work. But I'm really focused on client work here for these questions. So think of a film that you've made for a client. What steps did you take to prep for the session in advance? This is the first question. So what steps did you take to prep for the session in advance? What information did you provide to the client? How did you plan the location? Any other details about the session? How did you plan things out? What steps did you take to prep for the session in advance? Did you take any steps to prep for the session in advance? How much correspondence did you have with the client? How often did you talk to them? Did you give them a client guide? Did you talk them through what the session will look like? Did you ask them any questions? Did you give them a questionnaire? What did you do to help prep for the session in advance? Number two, how did you approach the beginning of the session? So when you arrived, what did you start filming first? What was the first thing that you did? Did you talk to the clients and then did you start filming? Did you film and then start talking to the clients? What did you start filming first? Was it people or B-roll? How did you approach the beginning of the session? Once the beginning is passed, question number three, what did you do next? What was the next thing? Was there a different scene? Did they move? Where did they go? How did you approach that? What did you do next? Did you talk to them? Did you take photos? Number four, why did you choose the camera position, focal length, aperture setting, etc. that you did? So think about this and break it down into scenes. So for the first scene, why did you choose that camera position? Why did you start there? Why did you then move? Why did you choose the lens that you used for that session? Or if you're on a Zoom, why did you choose the focal length that you chose? Ask yourself for all the choices that you made throughout the session, why did you make those choices? Were they just impulse? Was it just you thought it would look good? What is it about? And one of the things that you could do here is go back and revisit all the footage that you shot. And as you watch it through, think, why did you choose that? Number five, what problems did you come across? What problems did you come across when you were working with the clients or when you were shooting or, you know, was, was there any gear issues that you had, or did you have any problems with the location that you were in? Was the sun too harsh? Was the house too dark? Was the house too small? Were you in a really cramped hallway most of the time that you were filming? What problems did you come across during that session? Number six, how did you solve those problems? So for each problem that you've written down, how did you solve that problem? What did you do? Number seven, were there any problems that you couldn't solve? Anything that was particularly difficult that you just couldn't solve? Number eight, what worked well during the session and why? So think back to how things went and write down what worked well during the session and why. This could be 
you know, the way you packed your camera bag. It could be the things that you brought with you. It could be the way that you interacted with the client. It could be the way the client interacted with you. It could be the way the clients interacted with each other. It could be the location that you went to. It could be the time of day that you did. So think about all the things that worked well during the session and why. Number nine, what didn't work well and why? So think back to the things that didn't work well. Maybe it was an approach that you thought you were going to take that didn't work. Why didn't it work? Write all of those things down. Number 10, what did you learn from this session that you can apply to the next? This is something that I do with every single session. I sit down after my session, I sit down and I think, wow, I learned that I'm going to do this differently for the next time. <laughs> so I want you to write down, what did you learn? Dif- what did you learn from this session that you can apply to the next? Number 11, how did you approach the edit for the film? So this is where we're talking about the actual edit and the way you edited it. How did you approach it? Did you approach it And did you choose, had you chosen the music before you shot the film? Did you choose the music after you shot the film? Did you, have you mapped out the song? Have you decided on a particular way that you're going to edit? Did you decide on a particular way you were going to edit the film before you edited it? Or did you just do it as it came along? Did you watch all the footage and then cull it? Did you watch all the footage and label it? Did you organize it? Or did you just leave it in one folder and let it flow the way that it did? Did you edit everything in sequential order or did you bounce around different scenes? How did you approach the edit for the film? Number 12, why did you choose the music? So why did you choose the music that you chose? What was it about it that made you choose it? And why did it work? Or did it not work? Why did you choose that music? What was it about the music? Was it that it fit with the vibe of the client? Was it that it fit with your vibe as, you know, for your brand? Why did you choose the music that you chose? Did you just like it? Get specific. Number 13, What problems did you come across during the editing process? So did you find that it was tricky to edit because you didn't have enough B-roll? Or did you find it was tricky to edit because you stayed in the same camera position the whole time? What problems did you come across? How did you solve those problems? What did you do to solve the issue of you know, standing in the same spot. What did you do? Did you pull footage from different locations to make it look not so obvious that you stood in the same spot for so many clips? What did you do to solve the problems that you came across? Were there any problems that you couldn't solve? Did you end up putting cross dissolves over everything because it was too, it was too choppy and it didn't work well because you didn't move enough? What footage worked well for the edit and why? This is number 16, sorry. The last one was 15. 
What footage worked well for the edit and why? Did you find that there was one scene in particular that you edited really well and it all just sort of flowed when you were putting it on the timeline? What footage worked well for the edit and why? Drill into why. Why did that work so well? What was it about the way you shot that? That honestly is one of the ways that I improved so much is because I really sat down and analyzed the scenes that I was editing and started to understand that I needed a variety of different camera positions and locations and shot types and all of that in order to have the right footage to make the edit work. So what footage worked well for the edit and why? What didn't work well and why? Did you stay at the same shot type the whole time? Were you too close for a lot of the footage? Were there clips where you were too far back and you couldn't see what was going on? Were there a lot of clips that didn't have a focus? Were there a lot of clips that were really distracting? Were there a lot of clips that were really cluttered? Is composition something you need to be working on? 18. What did you learn from working with this footage that you can apply to the way you shoot your next session? This is key. What did you learn from working with this footage that you can apply to the way you shoot your next session? This is so important to this whole concept of becoming more self-aware, reflecting on how you approached the session, how you shot the session, how you edited the film, how you chose the music, what things worked and what things didn't. All of these things and writing them down and really drilling into the heart of each answer will help you become a much better filmmaker. So I really want you to take the time and go through these. And you can do this for every single film that you make. You can do this for the last two or three that you've made as a starting point. Do this each time that you make a film and you will find that you grow exponentially. Now, in addition to becoming more self-aware as an artist, one of the things that we have to be really mindful of is as we're making these films for our clients, yes, it's super important that it's meaningful for them and that they love it, but you're not just making these films for the clients. You're also making them and sharing them And this is what's going to then book further clients. So you have to think about what the viewer is going to see and not just thinking about what that parent is going to see when they watch the film. So it's a combination of the two. The better you get at making a film that is engaging and visually interesting for the viewer, that parent is going to be happy (laughs) about their film because it's, it's, it's not just for them because These films are for their kids and their kids' kids. And as the generations go on, you know, these films are going to be watched by people in your family or in your client's family who years from now, I mean, that's my hope anyway, years from now, the grandchildren and the great-great-grandchildren and so on and so forth. And so really think about the story and the way that you are shooting and editing in a way that really helps resonate with the viewer, assuming that the viewer doesn't know this home, 
these people their story. Okay. So you're really telling it in a way that shows someone who, and and someone can watch it and connect emotionally with these people and, and feel something, even if they don't know who the people in this film are. Once you're able to do that, that is then where your business will grow and you will get more people coming to you for your work because they want and they can see themselves in the films that you're making for other families. And they want that. They want that for themselves. If you're a member of the Filming Life Academy, know that you can always share your films in the Filming Life Network. That is what it's there for. We want to give you feedback. We want to help be your support network. We want to help be there to bounce ideas off with you. And, you know, that is the that is the beauty of our community and it's there. So please don't be shy about sharing your films in there because I believe that we all grow and learn from each other and having that community and support network is just the best thing that you could possibly have. So thank you for listening to this. I'm going to head off. I hope this has been helpful. Please write to me, Courtney at filminglifeacademy.com. Please let me know what you thought about this episode. If you would like to hear more episodes like this one and, uh, that's it from me. I hope you have a great week. I'll see you in the next one.